kind of the, the, the phrase that I'm using is all of God's people gathering all of God's peoples. So I want to talk about what is the mission of God? What is God's purpose for the world? And who is that mission for? Who is that purpose? What, what's his plan for bringing that to, to fruition? And then I want to talk a little bit um, practically about what does that mean for us? So what are implications of, of um, living as sent, commissioned followers of Jesus? Okay? So I will go ahead and pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Um, Lord, we are grateful for just what um, Mitch reminded us that that you have allowed us to be a part of your work in the world, and that is in Thailand, in South Carolina, in Minnesota, and so many other places. And, and Lord, we just give you thanks that we get to know you, that we get to take part in what you're doing. We pray that right now you would help me articulate this in a way that would honor you and point us to the realities of Scripture and convict us of how we need to live differently in accordance with what you're calling us to. So give us wisdom and clarity and discernment. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not going to be looking at one primary passage. I'm going to be kind of doing, uh, for my first point, what is God's mission? We're going to look at a handful of Old Testament passages. And then um, for who is it for, we're going to look at a handful of New Testament passages. So if you want to, if you have a Bible and want to flip with me, if I was more foresightful, I would have had um, it up on the slide, but you will quickly learn that I'm not foresightful. Um, so, if, I, I know that many of us have been doing, raise your hand if you have been uh, interacting with the missions Bible study on Sundays in some way. All right, so a decent number of you, okay, good. So, um, so. Some of this is going to be overlapping with that, okay? The, the, one of the themes there is to prove that or to show that um, God's purpose throughout the entirety of Scripture is to gather a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. This is not something that, um, a, you know, a certain pastor we like or our church or, you know, campus outreach has come up with folks. But, you know, we're not just passionate about missions as a ministry or something like that. But we see this as a thread throughout the entirety of Scripture. So in order to understand the theme of the, the central story of Scripture, I think you, you'll have an incomplete picture of it if, you, if it's not... Um, Understanding that God is, is gathering a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. So looking back to Genesis 11, um, in fact, this one might not be worth flipping to. It might be worth uh, flipping to 1 Samuel 17 as I, as I speak. But, but if you want to, to look back later, Genesis 11, it's the story of the Tower of Babel. I'm, I'm guessing many of us are familiar with that. And, and so up until this point in the story of Scripture, first ten chapters of Genesis, it's been... Mainly, you know, God's uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and then their remnants um, from there. The, the peoples of the earth have not been established in, in the way that we think of it, right? But that through human arrogance, they, uh, um, God confuses their ways, and all of a sudden, for the first time in the history of the world, we have a multitude of languages. We have a multitude of peoples scattered throughout the world, okay? So that's what happens in, in Genesis 11. Again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to look at that, but, but the 11th chapter of Genesis, you can look at that later. Um, then, not long later, we don't know exactly how much time passed between Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, but we can infer that it's, it's not a significant amount of time, okay? So as soon as the nations have been created, um, now... God begins his pursuit of them. So as long, the, one of the uh, sub-points here is, is as long as the nations have been 
in existence, God has been in the work of pursuing them, okay? So there has never been a time in the history of the world where there was a, a diversity of peoples on the planet when God was not already acting to, to gather a remnant of them to know him and be part of his family. So what we see is Genesis 12 is the call of Abram. So Abram is, is called, and I'll read um, 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your, your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a, a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So again, I think that's the clearest way we see at this point in scripture that, that God is beginning his purpose to, to bless the peoples of the earth, okay? A few chapters later in 15, he's, he tells him, look at the stars of the sky, um, so shall be your offspring, okay? Now, that is continuing today, and, and some of them are in, in Thailand, and, and some of them are, are us in this room. Um, so um, God has, has been faithful to, to fulfill that, but he's still in the process of fulfilling that promise that, that was made thousands of years ago to Abram. So um, also just worth noting, so this is, you know, as long, I mean, I mean for, for thousands of years, God's plan has been to send people to gather a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And part of that plan has been sending people away from their family, their, their you know, their kindred, their, their comfort, the culture that they know, the language they know, um, in order that others might be blessed, okay? So um, that's just a, a side note that for a long time, God's been sending his people uh, across cultures for the sake of, of others getting to join into God's family. Next, if you want to flip to 1 Samuel 17, story some of you guys might have heard of about a couple of guys named David and Goliath. Um, so, um, thought I had a bookmark in here. So, so, this story is one I think most of us are familiar with, and what I want to just briefly point out is that this is not a story of God telling us to, to face our giants in life or to, to be strong and, and illustrating that, that um, David is, is strong and powerful or, or even that um, this is, the, the story is not primarily about David. The, the story actually, um, we're going to see, um, David explains the, the reason that, um, that God gave him this victory. So in, uh, this is in uh, 1746. Um, well, I'll, I'll read a little bit before that. The Philistine said to David, come, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give, you, give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and, the, and to the, wild, uh, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." Okay, so this story is not proving David's strength. 
but, but, but God has given David strength and power to, to overcome this adversary so that the nations might recognize and see that there is a God in Israel. Okay? So again, not going to spend a lot of time here, but would encourage you to go back and look. And just, I'm just trying to trace the theme here so that we see that God's, God's you know, central to God's word is his plan to, to gather all the nations to worship him, a, a people among all the nations. So next we're going to go to Jeremiah 29, 11. We, uh, I know many of us will know that one. We might even have some tattoos of that one in this room for all I know, or a good coffee mug or two. Um, you know, this is a great verse, and this is a fun one to, you know, to have in the back pocket and when you're having a hard day. But what I want to point to is, is um, in a sense, I think the general way we use this verse to give us hope when we're having difficult times, it is um, applicable in certain ways, but at the same time, I think we may misuse it at points, okay? So something that's just generally speaking not, not ideal is to read um, you know, a portion, just, just read part of a sentence. So for example, another example is actually, um, you know, Mitch just cited uh, Psalm 4610, I think. So, you know, be still, this is another, this is the same category. I don't know why I just kind of stopped up there and just up in my authority here. Um, so this is another great example of this where Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God, right? I mean, you've got a hard test tomorrow, you just, you know, whatever, you're going through something hard, it's like, what better to hang on to? Like, okay, I just need to be still and know that he is God. But that, that's only the first part of the verse. And so, again, we have to be careful to, to read scripture out of context. And so it is God giving us, us peace, but he's actually saying in that context, and we're going to see in Jeremiah 29 as well, he's saying, you know, uh, I don't have enough time. I have this, you know, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. All the peoples of the earth um, shall know me. Something some, that's a paraphrase there. Um, but um, similarly, you know, the, the story of, um, or just another example of, of the centrality of the nations being gathered into God's family throughout Scripture. So Jeremiah 29, um, 11, I'll read, uh, I'll start at 10. Or actually, no, I'll start at um, 11 and go a little further. So um, the context is that the, the people of Israel have been oppressed and exiled, okay? So they are, uh, they're facing some pretty hard stuff, probably a lot harder than our, you know, our average test we're nervous about and stuff like that, right? Um, so he says, so God, this is, these people have been scattered into exile throughout, you know, all over the place. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So there's two things I just want to point out there. So one, God's, you know, God's plan for uh, us to prosper, pro- prosper and have welfare is not just a, a general, you know, each and every one of us, he's just offering us um, a life of prosperity. It's connected to his gathering of the peoples of the earth that have been exiled into his family because that's the one thing, the, the one plan we can have a guarantee looking at Revelation is going to prosper because that's, that's, that's God's purpose for the world. So understanding a promise like this outside of the context of of um, 
you know, the, the context it's given in, which is saying that my mission is not going to fail to gather all the peoples, okay? And therefore, as, as I'm inviting you into that, you can be confident that, that I'm going to be faithful as I, as I have been, and I'm going to bring this to fruition. And you're going you're gonna to enjoy the fruit of that because you get to be a part of my mission with me. So um, the second point I just want to point out is in verses in 14, um, I think he said it earlier in 4, whom I have sent into exile, where in 14 he says, where I have driven you, and then at the end of 14, which I sent you into exile. So I just want to, again, as a side note, the, the peoples of the earth, we live in a unique time right now where people are, are coming to America from all over the place, and have the opportunities to, to go all over the place. Um, and, and God is behind that. I mean, that's another thing we see in Scripture. In Acts 1.8, God said, or Jesus said to his disciples, um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? Then, first seven chapters, the apostles aren't doing a whole lot to fulfill that. So um, God acts. So they've been in Jerusalem up until that point. Acts 8.1, there's a, uh, per, Stephen is stoned. Uh, Paul, or Saul uh, approves of that. And then the... Um, there's a great execution, and uh, or nah, sorry, a great persecution arises, and all of a sudden the peoples are scattered. And, and what it says is that the church was scattered throughout all of Judea and Samaria. Okay, so God is committed to gathering the nations, whether or not we are going to join Him on it. He's going to do that because this is this is His His purpose for the world. Okay, so so I just again I just want us to see because how this is relevant is, for example, Minneapolis has more Somalis than anywhere in the world other than Somalia, okay? And if you ask an average Minnesotan, they might tell, tell you the reason for that is because there was uh, a war, a civil war in the early 90s that many of them were displaced and had to come. And that's, that's only part of the answer. Because you know what? That, that is true, but, but that was all in the hands of God. It's bringing people that he wanted to, to be a part of his family and welcome and, and join his family, okay? So there are, uh, um, you know, about 100 students from the nation of Oman in the Twin Cities, 130 students from the nation of Oman in the Twin Cities. They would tell you, and Saudi Arabia, there's a, there's a lot too, a couple of places that are very difficult. In fact, four of the five top populations of international students in the Twin Cities are from 1040 window countries that are uh, closed to missionaries, okay? So again, we're seeing the same thing. They would tell you, or their lead nations, is that me, sorry? Um, their nation's leaders would tell you that the reason is because America has a good education system or, you know, they're, there's, there's, they're going to have certain reasons. But what I want to tell you from Scripture is that God's hand is behind that. Do you want to switch that? So God's hand is, is bringing them, gathering them, sending them to Minneapolis, okay? So um, in the same way that I referenced God's been sending his people who know him already, like Abram, all the way up until now, to the nations, he also, at times, you know, he's going to work through situations. He's going to bring the nations to us and to other contexts. A majority of our, or a large percentage of our ministry in, in Sheffield was with international students. And um, so the, the nations are, are moving all over the place in a unique way. Um, but back to... Back to our, so we saw Jeremiah 29. Again, we're just continuing to see that thread. Look at Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, uh, verses 5 and 6. 
And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Okay? So again, just continuing the thread. One nation is not is not enough for, for our God. He wants to gather people from all over. The the church that we see in the book of Revelation is not as monocultural and monochromatic as the church that we're, many of us are used to, okay? Because his purpose is to gather people from every, every ethnic people on the planet, all right? And that purpose did not start in Matthew 28 with the Great Commission. Again, it's, it's threaded throughout the storyline of Scripture. So I just I want us to see that. Um, had uh, one more in the Old Testament, Psalm 96. And... Again, if you, if you want to look at some of these later, otherwise there's, there's just um, there's more in that mission study. There's, there's, there's more, obviously, than, than we have time for, but I'll, I'll read Psalm 96. I think this is a good way to close um, kind of this part of the, the Old Testament side of things. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the Lord, uh, yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. And let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Okay? So, again, we're just um, continuing to see that um, this, this storyline is threaded throughout Scripture. So, what is God's mission? Uh, I want to I say that it is to gather a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue to know and worship him, okay? So, um, and, and, yeah, well, I won't get ahead of myself. So next, I just want to look at, so who is it for? What's his plan for bringing that to completion, okay? So John 20, 21 um, would be good to flip to, and then, Matthew 28. So I'm just going to, again, read a couple of passage here, passages here that I think capture um, the, the, the sending nature of God for his people. John 20, 21. 
It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then one more, Acts 1.8. I already referenced that one. Now, the Great Commission... Uh, what I just read in Matthew 28 and then this are, are some of Jesus' final teachings before his ascension. And so I just think that's, that's relevant in that he is, um, he, they're, they're, I think we can infer that he had a priority, you know, he, he was, um, I guess, going to say things that are particularly important before uh, we're not going to be with him in body anymore. X one eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, continuing to see um, not only the sending nature of God and that God is is continuing in Christ to pursue the nations, but now we're starting to see clearly what His plan is for that. Much of the Old Testament is what we call a, a come and see. Um, kind of missional model where, where God is using things like the story of David and Goliath to illustrate his power to the watching nations in a way that, that they would see him and, and his works and, and know, like I said, and know that there's a God in Israel. Now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to switch as the New Testament comes into a little bit more of a go and tell, okay? So God's primary um, mode of mission in the New Testament is not saying, you know, just kind of drawing crowds or, you know, telling people to, to come and, and read the scripture in large, you know, large groups or, or watch his works. Mainly, it's through sending out his people to the masses, okay? So sending, sending out his disciples, trickling down all the way to us. So um, if, you, if you look at um, Ephesians 4, 11, I'll just look at another passage there. Continuing this theme, just want to be pointing out that that God's mission and purpose of gathering the nations is not something for some of his followers. I think currently one way to put it would be that some of God's people are actively involved in pursuing some of God's world. And I think what what we're seeing in the scripture is all of God's people are called to take part in gathering all of um, God's peoples. So... um, yeah, what, what I want, what, one of the takeaways of a spoiler tonight is going to, for, um, my hope is that we will be convinced that we are directly called to be a part of this. It doesn't mean that all of us are, are directly called to go serve cross-culturally, but all of us are called to engage in this mission, okay? There's not certain people. Um, in sports, in sports uh, I'm not a big sports person, um, but hockey I like, and... Uh, I mean, I say that in case there's like any really big sports people. I may say something that I might embarrass myself, but um, on, on the Minnesota Wild, you can, or the, in hockey, you can have um, the injured, or, or no, the inactive reserve, okay? So you can have people on the team, but they're not participating, um, you know, in the games and things like that. And, and I think that is kind of a, a picture of what much of the, the Western church can look like, okay? So we participate in 
Sunday services and attend and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is we kind of have our own life that uh, we kind of we live and then where we can fit in some of this other stuff. Okay, And what I'm saying that I think we see it scripturally is to, to look at the mission and purpose of God and then figure out what of my life, what of my you know, family, friends, hobbies, whatever, can I fit in with that? If you can, that's great, but, but that's not God's primary purpose for you. So Ephesians 4, it's around 11, um, says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So camps are staff, pastors, any full-time ministers, um, our, our existence is not to do the majority of the ministry. Our existence is to equip people so that they can. Okay, so um, that's, that's not necessarily the model of a lot of Western churches where it's more centered around a few key leaders. But, but I do think that, you know, that is the biblical model is, is for every person to be a disciple maker. Okay, so not just, not just some of us, um, but all of us to participate in that. So... Um, yeah, the, so far what we've seen is what is God's mission to gather a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue to know him and be part of his family. Then we've also seen that who, what's his uh, modes of completing that? Who, who is that for? It's for every single follower of Christ, okay? There's, there's not anyone who is exempt or not included in the mission. It's not going to look the same for all of us, uh, and, and we're going to talk more about that as we get practical, but... The reality is that all of us um, are called to be disciple makers in the various contexts the Lord's going to have us all go into. Okay, so um, God is, is has always been sending His people, and and that's included in us. Okay, so we are we are called to live as sent ones. I'm going to look at a couple examples of that. And and sending being sent ones doesn't necessarily mean being sent overseas. So. Uh, we saw in, in Acts 1.8, it kind of gives a little bit of a glimpse of this, where it says, you will be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Or, yeah, to the ends of the earth. Um, so for context, Jerusalem would have been kind of, uh, for many of us, if we live in Minneapolis, it might be like, uh, it might be comparable regionally to say, you know, the, the local area, you know, what, this is where they live and what's, uh, what they know. So some of you are going to be witnesses there in, in Minneapolis, Okay. Some of you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That's going to be expanded a little bit more, okay? Some of you might be, again, this is not, uh, it's just a poor analogy, but Chicago, New York, you know, a little bit, uh, Duluth, whatever. It's going to be a little bit further out. And then some of you I'm going to send to Somalia and China and all these different places, okay? So, so you know, he, he may send you far. That, that is a reality. Um, but then he also may send you home uh, or send you, send you near. So the, the, one of the last passages we'll look at is Mark 5. I just want to read the end of a story where Jesus has just healed uh, a man with a demon. And this man begs Jesus that he could just come with him wherever he's going. He doesn't care where it is. Okay, but Jesus has a different plan for him. It's his plan. Jesus' plan for this man is, is similar to for a lot of us. That it may not be what we exactly are, is our first choice or where our first choice might be, um, but he's calling us to obedience. So, 
Um, if you look at verse 18 of, of Mark 5, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So all of us are called to live as commissioned, sent ones in various contexts, okay? What I don't know, and, and my, my, my goal here is not to get all of you to go overseas, okay? My desire is that all of, all of us would, would see that this is so clear in Scripture that what, the thing we know right now, none of us know what the Lord has for us in the future, okay? But what we can be confident of that I think is true for everyone in this room, if you follow Jesus, it means that, that he is wanting to send you somewhere with a purpose. So it's, it's not that some of us are going to get a cross-cultural overseas calling and um, he's calling us to, to live with great intentionality and, and face challenge in those contexts and be disciple makers. And then some of us haven't received that calling, so we're going to stay in Minneapolis, but we're open and we'll see if it comes. No, no, in the same way that we, we see in this guy's life, um, God wants, if, if he has you in Minnesota, it's, it's not just because the, if the, the main reasons you're heading where you're heading after you graduate is because that's where your family's from, that's the language you know, the culture you know, it's comfortable, you can get a job. Those just aren't, I, I just don't think those can be biblical primary reasons, okay? Again, you can go to Minnesota, or you can stay in Minneapolis the, the rest of your life and be totally faithful to the mission of God, and, and you, can, you can work as a janitor in Minneapolis and be totally faithful to the mission of God, and you could move to, you know, Africa or anywhere else, and you could be not in line with God's will, okay? Because God's primary desire for his people is, a, is obedience, not geography. It's, it's not where you are. Um, now, we're going to talk about location because there is a major imbalance um, in, the, in, the, in the needs of the world. But what I want you to see is that um, you can be faithful to God's mission in a variety of different ways, uh, places, vocations. Um, full-time minister overseas is not top of the hierarchy. Um, but again, we're going to talk about I, I think we do need to prioritize that in certain ways just because of the needs of the world. <coughs> So, um, in 1894, I think I have that year right, um, there was a guy named, many of you might know the name, D.L. Moody. So, he started, uh, or he was, he was doing a summer Bible camp. It might be kind of like a summer project in certain ways, except, except I think you guys have it easy, because they didn't do Walmart. They were, they were in the Bible, like, like the hours you're putting in at Walmart, I think that was about their uh, time in the Bible. It was like a all day, every day. He was just teaching students the Bible all day, every day for the summer. Well, a guy named Robert Wilder. Um, anyone ever heard of Robert Wilder? Okay, we got one. We got one. Um, so a guy named Robert Wilder and his sister, Grace Wilder, they grew up as missionaries in India. And they had been... Uh, they had, their dad got sick, and so they had to come back to America. So they were going to college at the time. Gosh, I mean, I think it was Princeton, but I can't remember exactly. Um, but so they've been praying that God would use them to burden people to, uh, to learn about the nations, learn about the needs of a place like India, and, and go there, okay? Now, they've been praying for an opportunity, and, and he hears about this, this chance. And, and Grace was wild, because um, Robert, I think, gets a little more credit, but Grace... 
every single day, I, again, I'm, you're gonna have to go look this story up because I might be uh, um, missing a few of the details. I'm not trying to hyperbolize, but, but I know that like every day for at least a couple years, she was like praying specifically for some of these things that came to fruition. And one of the things she prayed for when this opportunity came up, Robert had a busy summer and he didn't want to go to this, this thing, but, but Gary said, no, no, you, you have to go because this is your opportunity to, uh, to tell all these different college students about God's heart for the world and what's going on. And so he said, okay, okay, I'll go. And, and she said, um, I'm gonna be praying that, uh, I, I feel the Holy Spirit, I think she said, has led me to pray that 100 people make a commitment to foreign missions as a result of that. There are 321 people at the conference. So, uh, I mean, 30% or so, that's, uh, that's a pretty bold prayer, especially at a time when virtually no one is going overseas, you know? Um, so uh, she started praying for that and, and asking God to do that, and she's faithful in it. And uh, Robert's there, and, and he starts uh, any time that, or I think some of the evenings when there weren't kind of Bible classes in session, he invited any of the guys who wanted to come to, um, to you know, learn about God's heart for the world and starts teaching them from Scripture. Well, at first, 19 or 20 guys come, and, uh, and they're getting excited about it. And so um, after uh, the first week, He's got about 20, all right? And, uh, and 20 of them make, I, I think they come together and they decide, like, God's calling us to this. We need to make a commitment to go overseas. So first 20 make a commitment. Well, so on and so forth. By the end of the, uh, the however long the conference or camp or whatever it was, I think it was like another three or four weeks, um, there's 99 people on the last day, and then um, at the, by the end of the night, a hundredth person had, had come forward, and, and they've now become known as the Mount Hermon 100, 100, 100 people that committed to go overseas, and, and many of them did, but before, a lot of them didn't go right away because they stayed and actually mobilized thousands of others to, to go as well. Well, uh, there's a ministry called the Traveling Team, thetravelingteam.org, if you want to look that up. That's kind of a modern-day version of that ministry where they kind of they do that. They go around different college campuses to tell people about God's heart for the world. Well, anyways, um, I do not quite have – I'm not going to be as bold as Robert Wilder, and I have certainly not spent the hours in prayer that, that him and Grace – did, but, but here's my goal, okay? So the Mount, we got the Mount Hermon 100 and the Myrtle Beach 75, all right? I think there's about 75 people here. What, what I would love for all of you com to commit to um, is, is not to, to go overseas, okay? I, again, if 75 people in this room went overseas, awesome. We need about 75,000 people to go overseas. And I'm not exaggerating about that. Uh, we're gonna talk about that momentarily, but, um, but if 75 of you did, that, that would be, that would be a, a really cool thing. But, but again, the reality is that's not very likely in line with what God has for us. But, but what I can guarantee, and, and this is what I would love to have as a goal, is that everyone commits to living a sent life. We live in a culture that loves comfort and ease. And again, you know, most of you, like, like these guys spent time in a village in northern Thailand where um, there is... Currently, no active gospel witness there. There's, there's no, I mean, there's virtually no plan to have a church there. The, the plan is that if we can get some people to go there, so um, it's very early on in the plan. Um, there, yeah, the gospel's never been there. I was there in August, and, and one guy who had, uh, is Thai and lived in um, Malaysia for a while, and he actually met Christians there. He came, he said to me, we, I, I, I 
spent the week, spent a lot of time with him, and, and we read the Bible and talked and different things. And, and at the end of the week, he said to me, as I have to leave and go home, he said, you know, so, I mean, are, are, are you coming back? Or what's, what's the plan for us to, to get the Bible in this village and for us to, to learn about God, okay? So, so this man is, is desirous to know of, of, of God. And, and um, yeah, at this point, it's, uh, there, there's just, there's no, there's no plan to get there. And we can all hear that, and yet most of us probably, and especially in this, this would be a difficult place to live. There are, I mean, it'd probably be like, I don't know, not quite as bad as camping, but it's, it's rural and there's some challenges there. Um, now, most of us love comfort way too much to even consider that, okay? So um, I, I know I'm that way. When I got home and told my wife about it and said, gosh, maybe we should go be doing this, we, when we just talked about the realities of that, it's, that's really scary, really hard. Um, there's so much that would be difficult about it, okay? Um, but what I want to challenge all of us to consider is to, to just say, okay, Lord, I see that you're sending me somewhere, whether that's Minneapolis, whether that's Thailand, anywhere in between. I'm, I want to be open to and pray that you would just you would guide me and, and make me open to going anywhere, okay? So, so rather than coming to God with a busy schedule and plan after graduation. I already know I'm going to do this and this, and I have you know this going on here. Um, come to God with with uh, you know with a blank canvas and say, Lord, my life is yours. You own it. You saved me. I, I'm not supposed to know you. I'm not supposed to walk with you. Now I get to I get to know you. I get to have a, a new life now and for eternity. You get to do with my life whatever you want. And if that means a, a friend of mine. Um, is moving tomorrow to uh, a, a location I actually can't share, but um, many Christians have died. Many people have died for becoming Christians there recently, and she's she's going there. She's she's moving to a place where no Christian in the history of the world, no white person even in the history of the world, has ever lived in this place that she's going. Um, and she's she's going to be part of the first team to ever take the gospel to that context. She leaves tomorrow. Okay. Another friend of mine, uh, she was on project, you know, with, with me when we were, we were students together. I, mean, I can think of a handful of people like this. She lives in a really difficult place in North Africa. She is part of a, a team that is is working toward planting a church in a, in a place where there currently is no church, and there most of these people are dying without hope of the gospel. And again, this village, sadly, they didn't find a gem. They haven't found some unique thing. Okay, I want to read a statistic. Um, there are an estimated 460,000 villages out of a total of 650,000 in India where no Christian presence is known. Okay? So in India, there's about 650,000 villages. They estimate 460,000 of them have no hope of the gospel right now. So I'm not telling you that you are for sure called to go overseas. But what I'm telling you is that God's plan is to get a, a gospel witness in every one of those villages. And, and those people are dying right now with no hope that, that we have. And so you, you need to have a really good reason to make the decisions that you're going to make about what you do after you graduate. Okay? And you need to think really hard about if God is calling you to be one of those people. He may not be. And, and he may want you to stay in Minnesota and, and live with great intentionality. You know, sometimes we talk about God, God's not calling me to, to go. He's calling me to stay. If, 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 I, I, the way I would say is, is that God is sending you somewhere. So, so 
he might not be sending you to, to India, but he's, that means he's sending you to, to the place that, to your hometown or to Minneapolis or whatever. And in the same way that we see with this man who was just healed of the demon, he, he was sent there with a purpose. It wasn't because that's the culture he knew. It wasn't because that's where his family was, okay? He was sent there so that they might hear about the good news, okay? And, and so that, that's, that's what I can guarantee, tell you, God's will for your life it is for you to be sent with intentionality somewhere. A little bit vague because there's a lot of places, a lot of context, a lot of vocations that could look like, but it, it involves you being sent with intentionality to a certain place, okay? And having a really good reason. So what I want to challenge again is, is the notion that, um, that some of us are called to go overseas and live with intentionality, and some of us are not currently receiving that calling, and so therefore we're just going to stay in Minnesota. I think everyone needs to have a plan for what does it look like for me to be a part of God's, God's mission? Um, what does it look like for me to be, live in obedience to God regardless of my geography, regardless of, of where that is, all right? Um, so um, I, I'm going to offer kind of a paradigm um, that, that we use that I think is helpful in, in discerning that. Um, Actually, you know what? Better look at the time. Um, I'm trying to remember what time are we supposed to? What time should I be done? Anyone? Anyone? Curfew's at eleven. All right. All right. Go back to Genesis. Um, no. Um, okay. So yeah. Then I will. If no one's shooing me off here, so um, something that uh, we'll look at really quick is you so I want you to I want to help you think about discerning what might be your role in gathering the nations okay so again it, it may be um, uh, overseas it may be local it may be vocational ministry it may be through being a math teacher or a plumber or whatever um, so so we talk about the three A's um, so uh, ability, affinity, affirmation. So ability, what, what gifts has God given you? There are gifts that some of you have, or all of you have, that, that I don't have and I haven't been given. And, and those have not been given that you might, um, you know, be just really good at your occupation or something like that. Those have been given so you, you can contribute to the church and the, the blessing of, of the body and the advancement of it. Okay, so, so what does that look like? Um, so so what, are, what abilities do you have? Um, then maybe think about what affinity do you have? So what do you love to do? Maybe you're really good at, at a certain thing, but at the same time, um, you love doing another thing more. Um, you're, you're particularly passionate about a certain type of people group, a certain you know, mercy ministry, whatever it may be. Um, and then affirmation, what do people around you uh, encourage you in, point you towards, say, you know, I, there might be something that I want to do, and then I might have guys in my life who are like, you know, I just don't think, I think you maybe think you're better at that than you are. Or I don't think that's right for you, whatever, you know. Um, so finding the uh, where, you know, the, the sum of your affinity, ability, and affirmation, and then where does that intersect with the needs of the world, okay? Where does that intersect with God's plan for the world? So um, one thing that we're working on more in, in Campus Outreach is providing opportunities you know, traditionally, we've mainly focused on sending people overseas after graduating to do vocational ministry. Or, uh, sorry, well, yeah, vocational full-time ministry, like like church planning, Bible translation, whatever. Um, and and that is still an option we would love to send people to go and do. 
okay? Um, but at the same time, what, what in, with the way that our world is working, um, with globalization, there are opportunities to, to get access to highly restricted and unreached places through your vocation, through your career. So having an American degree can get you into a lot of different places. I had a guy tell me last week that if I, uh, if I, um, sorry, I was trying, I, 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 it can't be recorded, but I can just say general, he told me that there's a region of the world that's very, very unreached that he could get uh, five full-time paid nursing jobs, visa, travel costs, everything. Um, all, you know, don't have to raise support. You can go and, and be a nurse in a place that, that I, as a full-time minister, couldn't even visit for a, a trip, and you can go there you know, um, and spend your life there. All right, so there are growing opportunities like that. We have some partnerships established where basically people are finding jobs in difficult places and, and looking for graduates from their universities to come and, and, and use their degrees to get into those places. So all that to say, just because you don't necessarily see yourself as being a Bible teacher or something like that, doesn't necessarily mean that that guy doesn't have you going overseas. It might be that being a math teacher is way more strategic for the kingdom of God than being a, a Bible teacher, okay? So um, looking at the needs of the world. Again, the, there's also needs in, in places like Minneapolis as well. So it's not just overseas, but we're, we're you know, staying in Minneapolis in light of needs, moving to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, wherever it is, in light of needs, not in light of um, comforts and what you know. So um, ability, affinity, affirmation, and, and where do those, where does the sum of that intersect with, with the needs? Um, but right now, where I can tell you that most of us are sent to, because a majority of us are still students, um, you're sent back to your campus, okay? So you might have lofty aspirations to uh, go and move to some difficult place to be, be a missionary or, you know, do it. Do, you know, do ministry here in the Twin Cities or whatever. Um, and, and what I can tell you right now is that you're not going to, a friend of mine talks about, he calls it the airplane principle, where we think that, you know, we're going to all of a sudden get on, not share our faith here, not make disciples here, not read our Bible much here, and then we get on an airplane and go to, you know, Tanzania, and all of a sudden we're just going to be making disciples <coughs> left and right and sharing the gospel in a language we don't speak, in a culture we don't know, away from our family, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Right now, the mo one of the most practical steps that I think you can take in these directions is start praying that God would give you one person back on your campus or in whatever context it might be. Again, some of us are graduating and moving into the work world, um, moving into to various contexts. Pray that God would give you one person that you can just start sharing your faith with. Start, start small. Um, and then um, secondly, start praying for the world. Start, start, if we're seeing that this is God's heart, that God's heart for the nations is central to, to who he is and his heart, his purpose, then, then we should start aligning ourselves with that, okay? So we should start aligning ourselves with, with what God's plan is and also with um, acquaint yourself with the world because that, the, the, the church that we're going to spend eternity in is not going to look very much like this church that we're in right now and these, the people we're here with right now. It's going to be so much bigger, broader, and more diverse. And so um, let's, start, let's start praying praying for them now and, and, uh, and align our heart with God's. Um, another thing you can do is go short-term. So consider something like a CCP. Um, and for some people, that doesn't work. There's other opportunities, too. Uh, Caleb is in the program, and myself and him and some others went to the Middle East a few, a few months ago in the spring. And um, so if 
consider something like a CCP or maybe there's other opportunities um, that might make sense for, I was talking with someone today about um, maybe they can, you know, one thing we did used to do is we would uh, got students credit for J-term to go spend J-term overseas in, in uh, different contexts. So we can get creative and think about, um, just get exposed to, to God's world. Um, and then uh, finally, I'd love to connect with you. If, if you are sensing a stir toward uh, cross-cultural ministry, I'd love to talk. That's what that dinner is for on Wednesday night. Um, you don't, you're not committing to anything, just come into a free meal and just learn more about practical next steps. So, for example, the Nurture Program is Bethlehem's program uh, to, to equip people to serve cross-culturally. My wife and I help out with that. You know, I'd just love to tell you a little bit more about that, what that could look like, or other, uh, maybe even just smaller practical steps. But um, there's a, a great saying that I said in front of some people uh, like a week ago, and none of them had ever heard it, but I thought it was a really common saying. The best way, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Yeah, okay. So some of you guys know that. Um, well, I would say that um, there was a, a girl I was team leaders with that she went and spent uh, many years in China. And, uh, and she, something she said that always stuck with me was, um, I didn't have some lofty aspiration to go to China. I didn't know anything about China. Um, I just, I just was open to God. I just said to God, like, you can do whatever you want with my life. And I just took a bunch of small steps of obedience, little things along the way, um, little decisions. Take this trip that might be a little uncomfortable. Um, make friends with this, this student at my school from China. We you know different small things that, that are very, very far from moving to China. And she said she just found herself over there. Like, that's started to be what, what makes sense. And I, I think in the same way, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, sometimes a mission talk can be um, aggressive and, you know, like, oh, commit to foreign missions, like, you guys can do this. Like, again, I want a lot of people in this room to commit to going overseas because the vast majority of the needs of the world are outside of America. And so, and the vast majority of, Amer of the American church stays in America. So that, that doesn't make sense scripturally. That's not in line with, with what God has. It's not that he has decided to give uh, the, the church in America the majority of the wealth of the world and so many resources so that we could just have more hobbies and have more free time and, and buy more stuff, okay? He has blessed us that we might be a blessing, okay? So again, I do want... I want everyone here to consider going overseas, and I want all of us to, to be committed to being sent by God somewhere, regardless of, of where that is, but just saying, I'm, I'm living in obedience to him. I'm not, I'm not doing this, living in obedience to my comfort and my needs, okay? Um, but at the same time, I want to be realistic, because I, I think, again, like, even if I could get all of you to commit to going overseas, I just, I don't think all of you are wired for that. I think some of you are gonna make really good contributions, much better contributions to the kingdom, you know, in, in other contexts. And so, but, but yeah, anyways, that's what I want is for you to figure out what is your contribution supposed to be and not um, if God shakes you and wakes you up in the middle of the night and says go to China, then you'll do that, but otherwise you're just gonna hang out here until he, until he does that. And, and, and that might sound funny, but that is how a vast majority of the Western church lives. 